there are reasons these things are happening. They're bubbling. You know, there's change that's happening. And I think, I think it's a really interesting time to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but I it, think a lot it, of people are waking up. I think homeschooling is on the rise. There's a lot of change in every sector. And it's because maybe what we're doing isn't really working and it's not serving our best interest anymore. And that's okay. Things change in history. It's not a bad thing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lauren.Live. I've got Michael Harris with me. Thanks for being on the show. It's great to be here. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you. So Michael is a coach, a yoga teacher. He's an author of the best-selling book, Falling Down, Getting Up, and much more than that. I'm going to let you, you know, really do your intro. I'd love it if you could just tell people a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are now and the work that you're doing. I, I like to say that I'm passionately diverse. I think if I did some, if I let somebody diagnose me, they'd probably say I have ADD or ADHD or something. But I just had, there's so many different things that I love to do, whether it's practicing and teaching yoga, whether it's coaching others, whether it's helping people with speaking, whether it's helping people on podcasts, whether it's looking for mushrooms, whether it's reading books, whether it's uh, we went rollerblading. I mean, just like what, whatever. I don't like to do just one thing. So I like to call myself passionately diverse. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Well, there's so much to explore and do in this world. And it looks like you're you're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing as much of it as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, will you share what kind of stuff do you do for the coaching? Like, can someone come to you for, uh, you know, what, what sector or do you do all type, like life coaching? Well, over the years, I mean, pretty much for the last 35 years, I've been a coach, teacher, trainer of some sort. I actually started out in the late 80s, teaching realtors finance mm. and mortgages and, and how it all worked. And I went into HR type work. We developed health and wellness materials in the early 90s for large corporations and, and government. I became a yoga teacher accidentally. I didn't intend to, but I became one. And I've ended up training and teaching thousands of students. And I've trained six, 7,000 uh, yoga teachers. I was one of the first 100 Bikram teachers. Mm. Um, I got trained in, in the 90s. And one of the things that I realized is that I was really good at helping people make shifts and helping people open up their awareness and helping people get up and talk in front of other people. And a lot of that came about through training yoga teachers, taking people that were anywhere from um, garage door salesmen to corporate dropouts to psychiatrists and helping them, you know, really embrace what they wanted to do. Because I believe that when we have a dream and that we want to do something with that, it's, there's a reason we're given that dream, mm -hmm. right? And that we're attracted to that. And, you know, this gets into LOA and law of attraction and all that, which I won't go there right yet. 
Um, but today we work a lot with people getting on podcasts, mm-hmm. how to tell, how to get on stage, but really the story's the same, but the platform may be different. You know, how do you tell a story? How do you tell a story with a point? How do you make a point with a story? I mean, my friend Les Brown, that's one of his famous things, said never tell a story without a point and never tell a point without a story. So I could go on and on because of being passionately diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, I take people into the woods. I, you know, do all sorts of things. uh, Teach. I'm not doing any teacher training right now but I do teach class about 10 times a month, six, eight, 10 times a month, every month. Okay. For yoga or? For yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Well, it's clear that your purpose here on earth is to help others succeed and blossom. And you're a teacher. That's what you're here to do. You know, that's really cool in many different ways. And it sounds like I mean, if you want to share a little bit about the spirituality aspect, you know, you were in the corporate world and helping with, you know, wellness plans and finance, but then you kind of got into yoga, which goes into opening up. And I know for me and a lot of people, yoga has been something that really is a very spiritual opening experience, life-changing. So did you have these curiosities at younger, when you were younger or once you kind of grew you know, up and started doing the yoga, is that when you had more of a spiritual, would you say that you've had like a spiritual awakening or when did you notice the spirituality really affecting you in your work, in your life? Well, let me go back to 1971. I was a kid. I had just won the junior championship for Portland Golf Club. I was a hot shot golfer as a kid. And we went out water skiing and I had a water skiing accident. Mm. And in the water skiing accident, I ended up having 60% of my liver removed, 21 blood transfusions, collapsed lung, uh, cracked ribs, broken ribs. And I slid into a coma for about 10 days. And during the end of the coma, and, you know, for me anyway, I had a lot of awareness of people around me at times while I was in my coma. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't you know, move my eyebrows or eyelashes or anything else, but I could hear, I could say, I could hear the nurse saying, squeeze my finger and not being able to move my fingers to be able to squeeze the finger. But towards the end end of the coma, I had a near death experience Mm -hmm. and I left my body and I found myself surrounded by spirit. And I'm kind of making a longer story shorter, but as I was coming back to my body, I was reaching out saying, I'm not ready to go. And they said, you're not done yet. Well, that was 1971. So I guess I'm still not done. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. Wow. But I, I really rebelled against it. I became angry at God and I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to be here. Although I would have a smile on my face all the time. I mean, even when I went back to, to write my book, the falling down book, I went back and I interviewed and talked to some of the people back there. I said, what do you remember? They said, I remember you having a smile on your face all the time. Mm. It didn't matter. Mm. But inside I was still burning up. And over the next couple of years, as my body began to heal, and my parents were really happy that I was alive, internally I was torn up. Mm. And I found that drinking and smoking pot 
made me bigger than I was. So I went on a tear for a number of years. And it started really slowing down. Well, I'm slowing down, shifting in the early 20s. I can't say it totally slowed down yet. But at 27, I ended up back in the hospital again. And my right leg was 100% blocked, the popliteal artery. And my left leg was 65% blocked. And I had peripheral vascular disease, atherosclerosis. And they said that I was going to lose my legs and die. And I ended up having a couple of surgeries. I was in and out of the hospital with blood clots. And then they wanted to do more bypass surgery on my legs. And I said no. And at this point, Lauren, I still didn't know really anything about anything, so to speak. I, you know, I didn't dive into LOA or spirit so much. Um, you know, none of that stuff really drew a lot of interest to me. But I said no. I left the hospital AMA against medical advice. Mm-hmm. They brought me to the door, and I didn't know what I was going to do as I got up. And I was walking on a cane at the time. I could barely walk. And as I walked away from that hospital, I just asked, you know, I said, show me what to do. Well, you know, again, that was 35 years ago and I'm still being shown what to do, but I could barely walk. I ended up in a rehabilitation center in Southern California, the Pritikin Longevity Center. And it's not there anymore. It was right there at the boardwalk at Santa Monica between the pier and Venice Beach. So it was right there. And the doctor there told me to do something that the doctors in Portland, where I was living, told me not to do. And the doctor there essentially, and I really appreciated, I didn't realize it at the time, but he said, get up and walk. He says, just start walking. He says, you know, and I could literally walk about 10 feet holding somebody's arm and my cane. That's about as far as I could go. And he said, just start walking up and down the boardwalk. And within two weeks, I was walking two miles. Wow. So he planted, again, I realized this in hindsight, he planted this idea in my mind that I had the power within me to begin to heal myself. Now, whether he was consciously thinking that, I don't know. You know, in, in that way. But he says, once you begin to walk, he says, you start to build new blood vessels. You're giving signals to your brain that you need new mm-hmm. blood vessels. You know, and that's, in some ways, I, I look at that even as law of attraction. Taking one step at a time, building new blood vessels, telling your brain you need this, mm-hmm. and providing it. Spirit providing, you know, We can go really deep into the spiritual aspect of that, too. But it changed my life. And at the Pritikin Longevity Center was the place where I did my first yoga class, 1987. And yoga might be even a strong term for it, but it was stretching. Mm -hmm. Right? And I loved it. And I started doing it. I went back to Portland, started doing more of it. I felt better. I started walking a lot. I started healing my body, started moving, uh, started doing a lot of Ashtanga yoga early 90s. And I ended up with with three teacher trainings or three uh, teaching certificates. 
one through integral yoga, um, another one through what's called freedom yoga, and then the Bikram yoga. And I want to kind of jump ahead a little bit. When I ended up going to the Bikram yoga training, I got really mad at Bikram. And which isn't unusual. A lot of people have over the years. And, you know, I get up there and in what's called standing head to knee is a posture. And I was balancing on my left leg and my left leg was still screaming. I felt I was going to have to live with pain my whole life. And I said, Bikram, what do I do to modify? And he said, no modification, Michael. <laughs> no modification. Why you modify? And I said, well, everybody else told me I should modify. He said, no modification. He said, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. That ended up being and still is the single biggest lesson I've ever had in yoga. Mm. It's not breathing. It's not bow pose. It's not triangle. It's it's don't worry about it. Because mm. I was holding on so much to my worry. And I couldn't forget about it, right? You know, and it's just like I was attracting that worry in my life, mm -hmm. you know, and as a result of that worry, I was holding on to the pain in my body. Right? Again, law of attraction. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. You know, it's what are we attracting to our lives yeah. internally, right? So as I began to the next 10 days or so in that teacher training, I was crying a lot. And like, oh, Bikram doesn't like me. He won't give me my money back and all this stuff. But one day I just let go. And I'm standing in the middle of class one day and I'm doing standing head to knee, the full expression where you're holding your leg up, you bring your forehead to your knee. And I had no more pain. The pain was gone. And I finally realized that what Bikram told me at that time, that don't worry about it, forget about it, just do the yoga. That's what I shifted to. And it was as a result of that, I began to really start to assimilate the different ideas in yoga. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> Quite the transformation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's so hard, you know, I'm sure you're, like you said, you're shortening your story, but wow, to have two major physical, you know, medical scares. And it's amazing how many guests lately, it seems to be a theme. It's interesting. So maybe this is something I'm supposed to be getting out to the guests, but like, no, I'm not getting out. You guys are coming on and getting out, but a lot of near death experiences. And then through that growth and, and spirituality coming in, and there's work for you guys to be doing here. You weren't supposed to leave. You know, your stories obviously make impressions on us, us as well who are listening and inspire us and open our minds. But a lot of near-death experience stories recently. It's interesting. That's a theme I've been noticing on my guests. So it seems a lot of people are having those. And then that's when they're, it's forcing, right, a change and you, like you said, you weren't really attracted to the spiritual side of things, but then it started coming through and you're healing and, and look what now you're sharing with other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like we touched on it briefly earlier about this idea of quantum leap. Mm -hmm. you know, quantum leap is, you know, really a change of state. You know, when, when you look up the, the definition of it, 
it's really a change of state from from one state to another state. And that's what happens with our mind, with our thinking, with, you know, our healing, you know, going from one state to the other. Anita Morjani, which had, you may be familiar with her, or some of the listeners may be, um, her body was riddled with cancer, expecting to die, you know, within the day, you know, within a couple of hours. And she had a complete healing and all the cancer disappeared within about two weeks. It was gone. Mm -hmm. And so now she's out there talking about that experience Mm -hmm. and helping others people realize it. Um, uh, Joe Dispenza, you know, the work that he's doing, you know, the work that Bob Doyle is doing and some of the the other guests that you've had on, on the show, John Gray, Mm -hmm. you know, just remarkable work. And it's really just this shift in awareness Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I I mentioned to you before when we initially started connecting my brother, Bill, which passed um, a few years ago now, was also one of the authors of The Secret with Mm. Bob, Bob Doyle and uh, Bob Proctor and Jack and Jack Canfield and and the the other guys, too. And he liked to talk a lot about awareness and wrote a book on super awareness. And it's that shift. You know, it's just that shift. You know, when are we ready to change? Yeah. When are we ready for something new? And that's when the cells change, right? So I mean, literally, that's when the cells change. Right. Like, you can't explain it. Doctors try to help you, like you said, you know. But then that one really just gave you that go walk. Like, I mean, isn't that just incredible? You wonder if he was almost like spiritual guide and you know or who knows whatever but the point is he was practicing that and he was giving you encouragement and that's positivity and consciousness and encouragement and you have the power within i mean all these things it's so hard to describe consciousness and law of attraction in words as humans but we're we're, we're working on it right i think those are positivity <laughs> your mind your your you know being conscious thinking outside the box being ready for something new open to the possibility believing the universe is supporting you believing in your body and yourself wholeheartedly letting go it's also not just the believing in the positive look at how much work you and others do by letting go even just letting go can transform you in so many ways, but that's yeah. really hard to do. Sometimes I think it's hard for us attachment, right? Um, yeah. Attachment to our pain. You, you're used to it. You're living with it. You don't think it's going to go away, but look at what, what you were able to do by just letting yeah. it go or forgetting. Well, it. And, and I started, you know, John Sarno, Dr. John Sarno. I don't know whether you're familiar mm. with him or some of the listeners are. He was head of clinical rehabilitation at NYU medical center traditional rehabilitation doctor, back guy and surgery. And he says that this is so great. You know, why does the pain return six months after he do surgery on this, on these people? And this is in the late sixties and early seventies. And so he started exploring, you know, the, the mind body relationship that interplay the psychophysiological neuro there, they call it different terminology, but he really was the person that said, don't worry about it. Forget about it. in the pain because, mm. you know, there's a lot of what's going on in the world today and pain is pain management. Mm. Pain management creates a lot of revenue for a lot of individuals and corporations. Yeah. Curing pain doesn't generate the same amount of revenue. Right. 
And so it's, it's getting more broadly accepted. But when I started, you know, looking at his work in the 90s as well, he was saying the same thing. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just get up and walk. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong with you. You know, L5S1, herniated disc, he says, it's myths. He says, it's no different than gray hair. It's nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for a lot of people to hear. You know, and I I had chronic back pain at one time. I don't think I've had back pain in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Just because if I start to feel something, I just say, oh, I wonder what's going on. Hmm. Why don't you just go away? Poof, it's gone. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a, it's hard when you're going through it because it's that that could be a whole episode in itself, right? Our physical, and I believe a lot of our, most of our physical, actually probably all of our physical ailments are, it's a spiritual lesson or it's something that we're supposed to go through, right? Um, or it can be correlated to trauma or maybe past life. I mean, you could dissect it in which way you want, but um, or is the, le- you know, the learning lesson you had to go through uh, here on this, this life, but so much of the physical ailment and the pain, yes, it's a physical response because we're humans experiencing a physical experience, if that makes sense. But we, yeah, the worrying, the mental aspect of it is the, a whole nother side of it, which like you said, that's not always, it's, it's getting more accepted, but it hasn't really been the focus of our Western medicine mindset. It's, it's changing a little bit, but like you said, a large part of it is it's mental and, you know, or like I haven't been sleeping well. I've been talking a little bit about this on the podcast. I'm in my last trimester. I'm pregnant and I've had pregnant insomnia. It's been really rough, but you know, I notice after about two hours of laying there, then the mind comes in and then I start worrying and that's not going to help me sleep either. So it's like, the mental part of the physical experience, if you can tackle that, that's where the true change in healing can come in. But it, it's hard and it, it takes some practice, maybe some guidance or different ways of thinking, right? Or trying to let go. <laughs> did, did, for, from my experience, it's a um, different way of thinking. It's almost like we just stopped dealing with it in a sense. And the problem becomes removed. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's just like, I can go down these pathways and hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on forever. Mm-hmm. But once I get off that path and I'm on this path, this other path, then whatever was happening in this path is just removed. Yeah. I'm not there anymore. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm trying to relate and tell me if this makes sense sometimes when I feel like I'm holding in the worry or something, physical ailment, and I'm just like, I don't, I am realizing I'm doing it. So there's the consciousness, right? That's the first step. And then I just do my breathing exercise and a picture it leaving my body. And I, I said, I don't want to hold on to you anymore. I'm releasing you into the universe. Like I'm done with you. I can't hold you any longer. Yeah. Even things like that, just, I mean, and it's not just that easy all the time. I'm not trying to like sugarcoat it, but little practices like that, and then when you start to truly believe that and, and allow yourself to let go, it really can help. It, it, I think it's the key. And I think it's, 
easily complicated. Yeah. We right? make it more complicated than it has to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, even like when I'm teaching, my primary focus today on teaching is breath. Regardless of the sensations you're feeling, whether it's the heat, whether it's another person in the room, whether it's the sensation in your body by moving your body a certain way, whether it's a thought, whether it's an emotion, regardless of what it is, allow your breath to be as normal as our breath is right now. Your heart rate may be 130. Just breathe normal, regardless of the sensations that we're feeling. Again, in those things, whether it's pain, whether it's joy, you know, regardless of, of what it is, just breathe and just move through that and be an observer of it mm -hmm. rather than holding on to it sure. and going, oh, wow, look at that. And what do we do if something's wrong? Most people, 99.9% .9 of people, if something goes wrong in their life, we first blame somebody else. Mm. Well, it's their fault. It's my partner's fault. Mm -hmm. It's this institution's fault. They really screwed up. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. But once you break it down, it's just like, okay, what's my part? Yeah. What can I do? Right. And you can control your reaction. You can't always control the event, but you can control your reaction to the event. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give my power away to anybody, any individual, any institution, any belief system that somebody else has. If I get upset at that, then I've given my power away. That's true. I don't want to do that. Well, we could uh, <laughs> do some work collectively on that, considering yes. all the changes and craziness we've been through in the past few years, because that's a major thing. You know, I think that's, you know, why we're clashing and there's a lot of chaos is because we're just reacting and we're not even looking within to just practice our own power. And, and there's so much beauty and, and good stuff happening with the change. Actually, it's a good opportunity, right? But the turbulence, it's hard. You get so distracted with that and we get emotional and then we're giving our power away. Yeah. 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 You, you, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of energy moving in our bubble, in our atmosphere right now. And, you know, there's a lot of chaos as a result of that. And a, a lot of that is filled with anger and despair. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's a lot of people speaking up and beginning to make shifts. Yeah. You know, even this show that you're doing is helping to move that. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you look at what's going on with the women right now in Iran and them finally saying enough is enough, pushing against that thought system that says women need to be totally covered up. And the women are finally saying, you know, we're a little tired of this. Yeah. You know, maybe it's time to shift that. Mm -hmm. So those two thoughts are coming together. Mm -hmm. Well, I would suspect that at some point, the idea that women are free to be who they are in Iran is going to begin to move. Right. Right. It, it already is. And it takes you know, upheaval to get there, though, often. and Sometimes it yeah, does. Yeah, sometimes, not always. But, yeah, which is what we're seeing in the medical world with all the, you know, we don't have to even say what it is. People know with COVID and <laughs> your choice yeah. to do things to your body. But it, it um, or, you know, like our financials, there's, you know, threats of the economy going to go down. And 
food supply issues or, you know, there's so many things, political stuff and Russia and Ukraine. And I mean, gosh, we could spend all day talking about the current issues, but there are reasons these things are happening. They're bubbling. You know, there's change that's happening. And I think, I think it's a really interesting time to be here. Yeah. <laughs> but I it, think a lot it, of people are waking up. I think, Homeschooling is on the rise. There's a lot of change in every sector. And it's because maybe what we're doing isn't really working and it's not serving our best interest anymore. And that's okay. Things change in history. It's not a bad thing. Right. You know, but I think people, it's scary. Your change is, is it disrupts your life, right? So right. now is a perfect time to have people like you and hopefully my show and other podcasters that are doing this some encouragement. If you're listening and you feel the stress, take a yoga class, practice some breathing, get outside and ground, read a, you know, Michael's book. If you don't know about the law of attraction, study that. Like, there's so many resources out there and find what works for you. Um, do you have any other like tidbits just to offer with the energy? Cause it is, it's a lot to hold. And that's sometimes at night I'll you know, you're in a fragile state. I'm not able to sleep and I'll start feeling this energy of the world's trauma. It's just too much to hold sometimes, you know, I'm empathetic and it's just like, what do you do? You breathe, breathe it out. I mean, or like you said, kind of sit with it for a minute, accept it, but then also allow it to release. Yeah. There's a lot in, Everything you just I know, said. yeah. <laughs> I always like throw this, but <laughs> because you've gone through your own traumas and letting go and you help other people, I guess, just what's a, you don't have to go into like in depth, but just like what's a good place for someone to start who maybe hasn't done any of these types of things, yoga or whatever? Well, let's talk briefly about the law of attraction. Sure. Um, you know, flowers, certain flowers attract certain butterflies. Mm. You know, bird bath will attract birds. You know, um, boysenberries or other berries will attract bears. Um, fish will attract bears in the creek, you know, like, say, up in Alaska or, or different places. Um, a Chinese restaurant will attract people that want to eat Chinese food and repel people that want to <laughs> eat Mexican food, right? So there's just this constant interplay of law of attraction. And at the same time, I mean, I could sit here on my couch and think all I want about Chinese food, for instance. But unless I do something, unless I take an action, there's probably not going to have Chinese food falling from my ceiling into my lap. Right. So I've got a choice. I can get up, I can make some Chinese food. I can go to a Chinese food restaurant. I can go to a grocery store and buy the ingredients that I want to make my Chinese food. And the point that I'm trying to make is the law of attraction only works with the law of action. John Asaraf used to say, you know, it's the law of Goya. The law of Goya is get off your ass. You actually got to do mm -hmm. something to make what you want to attract in your life to happen. So the question coming back to what you said, how can somebody do something? 
literally make a decision to start taking some action. It doesn't have to be difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the doctor in Santa Monica said, just walk. And I'm thinking, what do you mean just walk? You know, that was my first thought. But realizing it's just like, oh, it's that simple? Just walk. You know, I haven't seen a doctor in 30 years, right? They come to my classes, but I don't see them. I don't go to them because I'm not there anymore. And if somebody wants to, you know, attract a job in their life that creates, I'm just going to make this up, say $50,000 a year in income, in a salary, then they go on some of the job sites and go, I want to get a job that pays me $50,000 a year, but you got to take action. You just can't sit there and think about it. Mm -hmm. If you want to create a million dollars a year, it's the same thing. How do you go out and generate a million dollars with your revenue? What are you going to do with it once you get it? Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to actually take action, sit down, create the framework to make that happen. What do you do if you want to get an apple to attract an apple in your life? You go to the grocery store, you go to the produce department, you grab an apple, you go to the checkout. Oh, now it's got the barcodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you swipe it with the barcodes. And you exchange karma, the energy called money, for that apple. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I know for me, and this, this is part of my experience, is I way overcomplicated all of this stuff mm-hmm. in the law of attraction. It's like, it's the simple things. And we don't realize that we are already doing it sometimes. Like somebody that goes and starts studying the law of attraction, and there's a really in-depth spiritual level to it. And we're doing it on an everyday basis now. What we post on social media is going to attract a certain response. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. A tank in Ukraine is going to attract a certain response. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it's just. It doesn't have to be big. That's a nice, I mean, that's a, a good that's aha a moment. Yeah. Any, any exchange of any energy, a smile to someone that was your choice to spread joy. Like, you know, that could do something for that person that you don't even realize. Right. Or just any small exchange it doesn't have to be big, like applying for a job. Now that is like good advice because I talked about that before in my law of attraction episode. Like, you know, yes, you have to think all the positive things and believe in and ask for it, but you'd still have to do the action. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be like a, you know, getting a job or finding a partner or the big things. It could be literally like what energy are you choosing to put out there because that's going to attract certain things in your life, right? Or your mindset or even what about, what do you have to say about um, gratitude? Like uh, just literally looking outside right now, the trees, I'm so grateful for this view and the beautiful sunshine in the day. Like even just that in a non-ego way, like if I think that I'm have a good day, but like if I put that out there and I'm genuinely grateful, don't you think there's something to the universe responding to that in your life where the, it may provide more of that? Are you being grateful that your legs work every day? There's something there. Yeah, there, there, there definitely is. And, um, you know, I've, I've got this, this, 
little thing of apples here, right? Sliced apples, right? And I say this about gratitude is somebody planted an apple seed in an orchard, I don't know how many years ago. Some people came along and trimmed that tree. Somebody came along and picked the apple. Mm. Somebody put that apple in a truck. Somebody created a label with a barcode on it, some graphic artist put on there. Some banker financed the movement of this apple from the orchard to the store. Somebody put it in the produce department at the store. You know, there's probably a thousand people that made this apple possible for me to eat. Maybe more when you think about it. Somebody created the tire to put on the truck Mm -hmm. that moved the truck. Mm -hmm. So what I like to call micro gratitude is, you know, if I'm sitting there eating a bowl of cereal in the morning and I think about all the different people that helped put that bowl of cereal together, you know, it's, you know, I can be grateful for my home or my car or relationships or whatever, but can I also be grateful for those little things and realizing that we never do anything alone. We may think, even if I'm sitting there alone eating my bowl of cereal, it took a thousand people to get that bowl of cereal in my lap. Right. Connected. Can I be grateful for all those people? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I thought about that earlier in the pandemic, just like at home, like with the food. I'm like, someone grew this. Like, you know, or if you eat meat, like, there's an animal that died that I'm eating and it keeps me alive. Like I'm very grateful for that. Right. That goes into back to like native Americans and their relationship with the land and being grateful for what they ate. And gosh, there's just, you could, if we just spend more time and more conscious about that stuff, your life changes. You're just like, Whoa, this is amazing experience. We're also interconnected, keeping each other alive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We, we are totally all connected and, you know, it, it's even where I heard you say a little while ago about, you know, being up at night and feeling all this energy and the weight of the world and all these things, of events that are happening on the other side of the planet are affecting us here. We are all connected. Yeah. So, you know, that turbulence, we're experiencing it, you know, and the physicists can really tell you about the butterfly flapping their wings in Brazil and how it affects us. It affects us. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't describe it, but some people can describe it on a scientific level about why that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a rabbit hole that we may not have time to go down, but just to quickly touch on it, it's making me think about this because there's two parts to it, like the action and the belief, okay, law of attraction or something, but also, like uh, with pain, you have the physical sensation and then the mental, you know, you're carrying it um, and the experience. But I've also been, another theme I've been hearing a lot about is like trauma and how we're confused about how to regulate that, right? Like we're not really taught that as much in, as I think we should be, like in school or as a young child, how to like process trauma and our nervous system. And you could, sometimes you can think all the things and it's just, not enough. Sometimes you do. You need things like breathing to literally like physically get it out of your body or uh, movement, yoga or whatever you choose to do. So I love the pairing of both of those together. And I'm sure you obviously agree with me because you 
were practicing yoga and in pain and then you were able to learn how to let it go. But I just love like the somatic healing and like the nervous system and um, how you can do a combination of both mental exercises. Okay, I'm okay. I'm calm right now. Like if you feel like you're gonna have a panic attack, but then also getting in touch, conscious with the physical, like touching. Okay, if I'm touching myself, I'm aware, I'm not fainting, I'm alive, like or, you know, whatever it is to calm yourself, you could do pressure points, like that really helps me. So I love the um, relationship with um, literally like movement can help release trauma and pain. Uh, but then also the mental comes in and you kind of, I think that's something where you'll have to explore, everybody explore yourself. When, when do you bring which one in? Because sometimes if you're too far past, Telling yourself you're okay isn't, doesn't really work. So getting up and doing something like a yoga exercise or breathing or running could help release that. So that's, I guess, what I was just thinking about when you were talking. It's like it's such an interesting relationship, mental yeah. and physical, right? Yeah. And it, it, giving up is a huge part of it. Yeah. You know, and, again, I know we don't have much time left. We could go all day, I'm sure. Um, for me, you know, the last time I drank was December 13th, 1988. And I woke up in the hospital the next day. And a friend of mine came to me and he said, are you ready? And I knew I was ready. I mean, there was no place else to go other than turn it over to God, turn it over to higher power, turn it over to the universe. And that letting go triggered all these things, you know, that happened in my life. That letting go allowed the new energy to come in, the healing to come in, right? Some of it took 10 years. Mm -hmm. Some of it is still going on, mm -hmm. right? But trauma, can we even bless the trauma that we've had? Mm. Can we be grateful for the trauma to give us an opportunity to see things differently. Mm -hmm. Can we use the trauma? Can we heal from the trauma in a way that we can go and help other people mm -hmm. that are also experiencing trauma? Yeah. Use it as a gift. Yeah. Because yeah. it is a gift. That's true. And we all have different experiences in, in our life. But I remember a medium that I've worked with for years said that I had some anxieties, you know, like everyone has some, some anxiety at some point in their life, but well, not everybody, but most people. And she said, you know, that served you at one point. That was there to protect you and help you. And then it kind of changed my relationship with it. Instead of thinking, oh, it's so bad. It did. It was helping me protect myself. But I was just taking it too far. And then, I, you know, I'm working through that. I've been working through that for years. And, like, that's another thing I should, think we should mention. Because it's so easy to come on here and talk and be like, oh, just let it go. And people are, like, going through, like, a life crisis. It's not that easy. It could take years, decades. But it starts, again, with just the decision and the consciousness, right? To start working through it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if I can tell a brief story. Sure. There, I mentioned Dr. Sarno, but there's also somebody named Dr. David Clark. He was a gastroenterologist by training, ended up at OHSU as one of the professors of gastroenterology, was uh, still is one of the associate professors of ethics there. He discovered through gastroenterology that virtually every patient that he was dealing with, there was that mind-body relationship going on and that the surgical and pharmaceutical interventions in most cases 
weren't worth it. They weren't doing anything. And, you know, he gives a great example. If you ever can get Dr. David Clark on, he's a mm. wonderful man. Okay. Um, about a woman that went 20 years in and out of the hospital every year, surgeries, getting sick, all these other things. She came to him and in 20 minutes it was gone. Mm. 20 minutes. Because one of the things that Dr. Clark helped her realize is where this came from. Mm -hmm. By changing our awareness, we can change quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, Joe Dispenza says you can change quickly, right? Mm -hmm. There's that shift. You know, Dr. Bruce Lipton, you know, you can change the cells, that quantum leap that we talked about earlier. You know, we can change quickly when we're ready. Hey, I got to work on this, man, with this sleep. I mean, yeah. I'm going to have the baby here in the next probably three, four weeks. So hopefully the hormones and that will just go away. But I, this is my challenge. Well, <laughs> or is it just part of the unfoldment of your pregnancy? Maybe, and maybe it is. But I also think I'm holding on to something that's keeping me awake sometimes, too. I think yeah. there's maybe two things going on. but Yeah, and you know. Yeah, I think there's some letting go of some things, though. So this is going to be good for me. But, yeah, that's incredible. 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we do wind down, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about your book, Falling Down, Getting Up. What is – is it about your life story or what is it – can you just give us a little rundown on, like, what it's about? Um. It starts out really at, with my accident as a child in 1971 mm. okay. and my experience that I had with that and leaving my body and it, it dives into some of my drinking and addictions and all those issues that I dealt with. It goes into uh, my experience with my legs and then it also goes into, well, I'm going to mention something that it took me a while to realize this about a spiritual experience. It's not always a burning bush. Mm -hmm. You know, in 1983, I had a, you know, spiritual experience of being handcuffed in the back of a car after drunk driving mm -hmm. and going, Oh my God. Right. There was flashing lights behind me, you know, all over. Right. To me, that arrest was a, a spiritual awakening. Right. It was one of the things that triggered me to get better. Right. So it doesn't always have to be some glorious light or music or chanting. It can be something dramatic that creates that mm -hmm. particular situation. So the first part of the book is really about um, some of those challenges I faced early on. And then the second part of the book gets more into yoga and some different ideas that people can use to find their own experience because it's not going to be the same as mine and the same as yours or anybody else. We all have to find our own way through. That's true. How cool, how inspirational. <laughs> um, where can people find that book? Anywhere. Okay. <laughs> they, they can also Amazon find it and all the good places it, it, in any bookseller any it's book. still there it's still relevant it's awesome. been 10 years since I wrote it people are still buying it all the time I love it um, for your listeners in um, in the notes if you want to add this um, 
my website is michaelbharris.com and there's information there and there's information there too about how to get your story out and mm-hmm. such. But if you go to michaelbharris.com forward slash book, okay, as simple as that, um, you can download a copy of it mm. if you don't want to go out and buy one. So you can go out and buy one somewhere or you can download it. You won't, it's a hidden link. So you can't, you can't go to the website and sure. find that link unless mm-hmm. you put it in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll make sure we put it all your website and everything in the show yeah. notes for sure. But yeah. wow. Well, this is a great, you know, it's so fun. I always go into the episode with an idea on what we're going to talk about a little idea, but you know, like this one, I just, it's like, it, it, and I appreciate when guests will just kind of go all over the place with me and we just try to cram as much as we can in. But I, I really enjoyed today's conversation. I didn't know exactly where we'd go and just the theme of both action and, and thought and then also physical and, and release and just all, I don't know. It's just, it's so cool. The relationships, the human experience and the spiritual experience that we're all going through. And that's what this whole show yeah. is about. So your story was perfect for that. And I know I'm inspired. I hope others feel super inspired listening to this. If you're ever, if you're going through something, you know, right now, um, it's possible to create ch- change and heal. Well, and maybe the reason that we're going through that is to change and heal. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, and it is it is the human condition to have these things go on. Yeah. But it's also our choice to most extent on what we do with it. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know the day that we're going to die. No one does. Right. I mean, some psychic may come along and say, oh, you're going to die on this day, but maybe, maybe not. Don't right. <laughs> we don't really know. Yeah. You know, which is in many ways, a good thing. You know, I've got on my calendar and this is something simple that perhaps the listeners can do too. I have on my calendar every day until my 110th birthday or every birthday till I'm 110 that I'm going to do yoga. Oh, I love it. You just go into the phone. This phone was created by (laughs) Steve Jobs meditating about over Kriya Yoga and Autobiography Yoga. That's a whole nother story. And this came out through the intuition that he developed from Kriya Yoga. Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know he did yoga. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. The the, the book he gave away at his service when he died was Autobiography of Yoga. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I just invite everybody to find their own path, Mm -hmm. find what works. Yeah. Definitely know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. You're where you're supposed to be. And there's a lot of people that are supporting and wanting the best for even us. If we don't know you, right. I'm sending good energy out to you all who are listening. So yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on the show, Michael. Yes. It's wonderful talking to you and congratulations on your newest. It's so exciting. It's it's a true, you know, children bring so much to the world today. Yeah. It's a gift. Your newest yeah. child will too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Teach, teach you a lot. So yeah. yes, thank you again. And thanks everybody for listening. Check out the show notes. Check out Michael's uh, book and website and best to all of you. Yeah. 